One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to How to Rake an Artist. I'm Fanon. And I am Alfie, and it's great to be back doing this again. Um, today we are joined by an amazing guest, and we are going to be talking about PR. We're going to be talking about equality, diversity, and inclusion, and activism. Big, big subjects, and there's no better woman to talk about all this stuff with than Linda Coogan-Byrne, who you've known about her for a while you know, or I've been following when? the Why Not Her campaign and now looking at her over the last week knowing that we've been talking to her and it's been really interesting to, to um, dive into it really excited for this today our guest Linda is honestly she's like one of my heroes man she's inspired me so much for this podcast just for my own sort of activism campaigning if you will since kind of 2020 when I first you know heard heard about her and her reporting it also turns out she does PR so it's perfect. She's like the perfect person to talk to. And, you know, we even as a podcaster in a stage where we could do some PR, you as an artist, I as an artist yeah, could definitely. also <laughs> maybe do with it in our career. So we'll have yeah. loads of questions to ask her. She's a musician. She's a podcaster. We've both been listening to her podcasts. She just seems like an overall sound person. You know, I have so much respect for her, her work, and I've been following and listening her journey basically ever since 2000 and ever since 2020. And yeah, here she is. Hi, lads. How are you Hello, how are you doing? <laughs> well, hi, Linda. We were just doing a very candid intro for you there. All right. <laughs> Talking you up. I have a puppy in the house today, so you might just see a puppy flying in somewhere behind me. I'm considering whether or not to bring my dog up here. <laughs> <laughs> the two of them, it will start uh, the two I, of them off. <laughs> it will, it will. I won't do that. Great to see you, Linda. I'm delighted to be here. I love the big fan of the podcast. That shocks. <laughs> Ah, uh, that is deadly. So you know the crack. It's very candid and, you know, it's not very formal interview style or anything like that. Yeah. It's all very chill. But yeah, just so, so happy you're on board. Thank you so much for coming on. How, how are you anyway? I saw on Twitter, you might have got a new job or you're getting I a new job. I can't anything about That's... it yet. It's killing me. <laughs> I did. <laughs> that is so, I'm so excited for you. And fair play, I can't wait to hear more. Mm. I really can't. So does that mean you're going to be not? doing PR anymore? Are you doing PR? No, I will, yeah, I, I, I still will be. Um, 
I mean, I have staff in Ireland anyway. I, I never leave the yeah. PR game entirely. It's, I mean, I've worked, Jesus, for years and years for different record labels, but never been like a part of the labels. So it's just something that I always wanted to do. Um, and I, I worked with this company as a PR for, for a long time. And then the opportunity for, for a partner came up. So I was like, absolutely. <laughs> that is brilliant. Well, delight, delight for you and can't wait to hear more about it. But today, uh, we just really wanted to talk about PR. Finon and I, we are both in positions as artists where, you know, we're both like, could do with some PR. Uh, <laughs> I know like some, some artists some musicians might not even know what it is. So like to go back to basics sort of thing, how would you explain PR public relations? I mean, PR is very different than when I originally started out with PR. I mean, traditionally, uh, you had traditional PR, which was, you know, printed press and radio. And that has obviously changed with the digitization of everything. So you have a lot more crevices and nukes and crannies to kind of cover. So you've online. I mean, I was actually talking to a journalist this week, um, just with all the news of the major music publications just kind of folding in the last two or three years. We're just continually seeing bigger, bigger outlets that we wouldn't have initially thought would have fallen, but they have. So it's an, it's an ever-changing landscape, you know. I mean, where there would have been a campaign structure, say, like, you know, get radio play for an artist, get an album review, and then possibly a high-end uh, PR placement, such as television, like the Late Late Show or Jules Holland or whatever. Yeah. Um, all depends on which territory it is. But yeah, and then this, that's broken down into regional and national, um, both regional press, national press, and it basically is down to where the artist is at. So you have different types of campaigns where you'd have a top tier, top end PR campaign, which would be reserved for the more well-known artists that yeah. you could actually pitch on, you know, the higher PR flat platforms. Like, you know, you, it'd be very hard to get a brand new artist on a national TV show, for example, whereas it wouldn't be for a regionalised uh, show. Yeah. Just, like the UK have a lot of regionalised television. Ireland doesn't. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it really all depends. But there's a huge shift and huge changes. And and with that, the artists and the companies and the labels and the management, you know, they have all evolved with that because, you know, it used to just be like, you know, your standard press shot and now there's like EPK packs and there's all these different weird and wonderful ways that you can promote music. So it's absolutely changed in the last 20 years. Oh, I'm so excited to ask two questions about all this. That's, yeah, so, so, so interesting. And so, yeah, you would in a way be like the middle person between an artist and like the press or the radio, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And how, sorry, go on, if you know. No, nothing. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like, <laughs> No, there's so many things that like, it's like when you learn that there's a, a person for a thing, it, it just makes things make so much more sense. So I'm just here just like, well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. like, artists like the, that don't get that either. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah. my God, I have so many artists that are starting out and they come looking for, you know, because we do project management services, management services as well. And it's just, they think that they could just start from obscurity in their parents' garage or box room or whatever and then you know a management company will instantly want to sign them and mm. it just doesn't work like that no. there was a time when if you were good enough it did but now with the ever-changing yeah. landscape of music and virality and you know tiktok virality specifically um but you know and trending yeah. artists yeah. and trending you know you could get an artist that's huge overnight if it trends but they're not really anomalies. They're, they're very targeted campaigns. Like it might allude to the prospect, 
of it being a random thing, but it never is. You know, it's always calculated. Wow, so interesting. And who is getting in contact with you, Linda? Is it ever artists? Is it labels, management companies? Is it all sorts of people getting in contact? Oh, yeah, all sorts. I predominantly work with labels and, you know, management companies and managers. Uh, Depends, like if, if I've gone through so many different stages of working with major labels, then working with independent labels, then working with managers, then working with management agencies and booking agencies and agents and talent agencies. So it, it all depends. But, you know, again, typically it would be artists that, that can fund uh, releases now. They would have a team. So it, yeah. it would be, it's not as much as independent artists anymore. It's more that because it's gotten so expensive to fund anything. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you go into a studio and because, I mean, people still think, oh, it's so accessible to record at home. I mean, it is and it isn't. It still costs a couple of thousand to get it right, to get that sound right. <laughs> you know, it's not just a, a cheap yeah. thing you can download on your computer. I mean, it's, it takes a lot of money. And then if you're mixing, you're mastering, you're, if you're going to, if you're not well up on, your, on you know, producing yourself, who's going to produce it. So it's all about the money, lads. <laughs> uh, that, that's, yeah, that's so interesting. And when, like, what's, the fur, what's your most favourite PR campaign that you worked on? either in recent years or just throughout your whole career? Oh, there's been so many random ones. I mean, I'm working the music since I was 17. So I'm, oh my God, I'm 41 this year. So that's, you know, it's 20, 22 years anyway, professionally. Wow. I love Susanna Vega. I've always loved Susanna. I mean, I, I'm, I'm an 80s child and yeah. I love that deep sinew and tapestry of folk uh, music. I, I love all types of music. I predominantly work in pop and mainstream, but... I love folk music. Folk and rock is just my art, uh, blues and jazz. But Suzanne oh, Vega, um, I did four albums with her. Wow. And um, it was just wonderful. Like, I mean, I had her for a few different PR tours as well. And just to be on the road with them and to ask, oh, what's the genesis of Queen and the Soldier? Or like, what's Marlena on the Wall? How did that come about? And to get the actual core of where them songs came from, the origins. And then being at a show and... You know, Suzanne turned around and going, hey, this is for Linda, my publicist, you know. <laughs> that is so cool. They're wonderful moments. Or meeting, like, getting to work and meet with people that you've grown up listening to. You know, I worked with The Prodigy for years. Wow. That was heartbreaking, you know. I mean, yeah, I lost Jeez, eventually. Yeah. But there's some amazing bands. I worked with electronic dance music for five or six years where it was just that type of music. Uh, and got to work with, like, Underworld and Groove Armada and Uncle and... Unbelievable uh, bands, but yeah, the first thing that comes to mind would be Suzanne Vega because she's just one of my favorite songwriters. And yeah, getting to work with her and to you know do media and radio and was just it was brilliant. And did she find you, or did you find her? Like, how did I would have worked with a record label that she was signed to? So the record label is the territory of Ireland. So anyone that passes through. Uh, and funnily enough, the only band that I didn't work with was the Cranberries because Dolores had her own publicist in Ireland and she had her own publicist in the UK. So the Cranberries are the only artists that even though they were on the label that I label managed, I didn't work with because she was so loyal to her longtime colleagues and, and people that had represented her before she was signed that she stayed with them, which I thought was brilliant. That's really cool. But yeah, it's, it's, it's usually, you know, if a label has a head of international or a head of a different country that looks after the label artists in a, in a territory by default every artist that releases that is also releasing in a territory that you're looking after you would get a lot of the artists on the roster 
from the label, which is good if you really like what the label are signing, but it's not good if you then progress into not liking the artist that the label are signing because you have to work regardless of whether you like the music or not. I was working with um, labels evolved now um, through like the streaming age and from like the old school type of way, or do they kind of like pivot now with like AI coming in or streaming coming in? And there's so many different components. Like, I mean, <clears throat> you have your DSP uh, label partners, which is uh, your digital aggregators. So in, in, in common terms, it's where we wouldn't have had Spotify um, playlist pluggers or streaming uh, partners because you know there was physical you were selling vinyl you were selling cassettes i mean when i started out it was mostly vinyl cassette and cd that i used to service so that was perspective on things and now i haven't serviced a single cd in about five years jesus not wow. a single physical cd probably wow. longer actually probably longer yeah seven or eight years i'd say uh, because it's and i never forget when actually i think it was the prodigy one of the Prodigy albums that we were working and we had got a watermarked stream link. And I remember going, oh my God, what's like a, what, what, what is this? Like, what, oh, like, ooh, ah, you know, and they were one of the first artists to, to use um, watermark digital delivery. So basically, you know, the label pay for an online host to just to kind of avoid uh, music being cowboyed, which is uh, shared uh, before it's released. So um, only you could listen sort of thing. So only exclusive listeners. So you get an individual code. So say in Ireland, I would get 15 codes and I would only get 15 codes and I would have to choose them 15 people selectively to literally launch an entire campaign for some of the biggest artists in the world. Wow. Because Ireland is so small, they wouldn't give you any more. So yeah. even when even when I did get CDs, if I was working with a major, if I was working with a massive indie label, they would just send me maximum 15 albums to do an entire campaign. Wow. Whereas if it's an Irish artist, they drop off like a thousand CDs. <laughs> and you're like, I don't need these lads. What the hell? So yeah, it's 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 pretty changed. Like, but you know, I think the Prodigy were the, the first artists. That was years ago. And then they did these amazing guerrilla campaigns where they projected light. And when you think of what's happening now, where they're doing all the holograms and stuff, like they were doing that years ago, where they yeah. took over like uh, parliament buildings in London and stuff. And they, they had the spider. Remember this, the, the one of the album covers had the spider kind of image and they just projected that all over London. It was brilliant. Everyone was talking about it. So there's all these different ways and modes of, of um, you know, platform and music now that just yeah. did not exist like 20 years ago. So cool. And then on, on labels, like you obviously have major labels, indie labels, budgets would differ, I'd say. Other attitudes maybe differ. Um, mm. Campaigns would differ. Photoshoot looks at all of that. What um, for like, say, independent artists or even self-funded artists, like you're on a, you know, start of your campaign sort of thing. When would you bring in PR and sort of how much would you spend on a, on a campaign and what would it look like for like a new artist now? Mm. I mean, you work, it all depends. Like, I mean, some companies will really try to stretch every penny for the artist and go, right, what can we get? What's your absolute budget? Like, what can we get from this? I mean, if you're going to standard PR companies, the UK or Ireland, there's not, I mean, there's a, probably a thousand or two thousand in the difference between the UK and Ireland, just because the UK is vaster. Um, yeah. But but in Ireland, I mean, per month for a high-end campaign can be anywhere between, you know, a thousand, two and a half thousand, three thousand. Some companies charge 10,000, which I think is, is incredible. Like, I, I 
jaw dropped. I had a band a few years ago in my office. I had a couch in my office and the band were sitting down. I'll never forget. And they were a really well-known band as well. Um, and they sat down and, and I said, um, right, so what's what's the budget for X period? So I'd say six months, six to nine months. And they said, oh, well, we just spent a hundred grand on our last release. And I was kind of going, Jesus. as in like the, like the recording, the, the, the no, 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 the, the PR. And I, and I was just gobsmacked. I'm like in Ireland alone or globally. And did it show? No, in Ireland. Pardon? Did it show? For, as a from a PR person's perspective, I mean, no, it didn't. I no. would have done the same thing for two or three thousand. You know, it <laughs> oh, was just. Geez. Then I start going, "Oh my god, am I considerably undercharging?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah wow. You know, there are companies that you'd still get companies that will do a PR campaign for six hundred a month, but you're going to get a six hundred a month campaign if you bring six hundred into you expecting someone to work for you every day. It's not going to happen. You yeah. know. Mm. Yeah, that's probably it's less than twenty. You know, it's it's, a, it's less than you know a very the, the, the smallest percentage per day. So you're going to have to get you know a border cross the line on a campaign where you're going to go right. What do I expect for my money? And I I always said to bands like, if there's five or six in a band or whatever, three or four, and you know if you want to invest in your career, like you all go out on a Friday or Saturday night. I mean, if they're bands, they probably go out every night of the week. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, and you're kind of going, well, what's the price of, of a few drinks like? And if you just stop that carry on and just, you know, narrow it down to one day a week. I mean, I swear, I swear to God, the amount of bands I said this day, they were all going, oh, yeah. You know, and you can invest in your career, uh, yes. you know, have a kitty and say, right, hold off for a month and going out and partying and whatnot. Something as silly as that can actually save, you know, a thousand euro, two grand. And you can go, right, well, what can we do with this? I mean, and again, it's down to the, the genre because you could be in a band where it's total rock music. I mean, look at the likes of, you know, Inhaler, you know, DC Fonte, all these different bands where they're not getting radio play in Irish radio, but over in the UK, they've, they've taken it outside of Ireland where rock music and indie alt music is huge. Mm-hmm. And they're signing to agencies and their live performances are leading the way and paving the way for them through the industry. Yeah. And yeah. then you have adult contemporary acoustic remit in Ireland, which is quite high in regional stations. So if you're an acoustic or a folk act, you will, even if you don't get a massive amount of airtime, you could you could tour. But even if you are touring uh, in towns, because live music is great in Ireland, it always has been. But even if you are, you know, you're going to want to really reduce the cost of touring. So do you get a TM? Do you get a tour manager? Do you get mm-hmm. this? Do you get that? Do you get a loan of a car? Do you put money together for a car or a van or whatever? So there's all these different things to think about. But if you have, if you've got to the stage where you have the album or an EP completely done, you have your branding on point, you have you know, a tour, you've an agent or whatever, you know, if, then you kind of approach a PR company and say, right. But but again, only if it's, depends on what genre you're in. If you're a rock death metal music, there's not going to be any PR you can get in Ireland because nobody plays rock death. And then you go to the, to the Voodoo Lounge, well, the Voodoo Lounge is probably closed now, but you go to, what's another one in Dublin? I really... Oh, the the rock is a really cool rock venue in Dublin and it's always busy. Like, it's always yeah. busy. At yeah. You know, so you go into Fibber McGee's and that's packed every yeah. single month. Like, so, but then bands aren't being played on the radio, but yet they have a scene to gig in it. So there's a place for everything and everything in its place, but it all depends as to what genre you're in. If you're a folk band, if you're a pop, 
if you're kind of acoustic or, you know, dance is doing very well in Ireland. Um, so again, it depends on the genre and that's how you price a campaign as well. But anything, you know, anything between, you know, from from the bottom uh, upwards would be 600 to 1500 is a reasonable price. If you were being charged more than 2000 a month, I would I, I would want to sit down and see who's who's asking for that because Ireland is tiny mm, and wow. I, but there are people that are charging a lot more than that. Yeah, you know? and you'd obviously have expectations on you as well, so you've got of to deliver. Course. And I'd always wonder a situation where what if like you're only given so much? What if you have something that you? you really are trying your best with and it doesn't get picked up. Like what happens in that situation is sometimes it could be a lot, <laughs> you get a lot of, of hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> no, all the I mean, PR in the world, but the product has to be, like you said, yeah. you've got to, you know, you you need it when it's at its look yeah. and its best sort yeah. of thing. So like you could try your best, but yeah. ultimately what you're, what you're trying to sell, yeah. you know. You have so, to so take like, on bands you really believe in. Like, I mean, I, I left the labels eventually. I mean, I still work freelance, but I left, you know, being contracted to labels, uh, Jesus, about five years ago because I, I, I kind of, I didn't like that I had to work with bands whether I liked them or not. I wasn't given my whole and I was like, oh, you know, and then I was like, but that's the way the industry works. And I said, well, you know what? No, I can sustain myself now. I don't, I don't need to continue working with labels because I didn't have any control over who I was going to end up working with. And that's, that was an issue for me personally. I mean, I still did the same amount of work, but I prefer working with, with um, you know, projects and stuff that I wholeheartedly, uh, you know, back and, and love myself. And then other times I discovered music that I would never have actually thought I, I liked from that. So there's a pros and cons of that, but yeah. seven years of it kind of tired me out. But yeah, there's a load of different like processes. And again, it's down to what you feel comfortable. I think in every single thing, especially the music industry, it's down to what you feel comfortable with as to, you know, the energy that you put out, the energy that you receive, it's it's all in unison, you know? Yeah, well, that's a, a big one. I think being honest for me in the last couple of years, just being honest about my life, who I am, that's really sort of, I don't know, it's, it's helped me, but it's also just helped me have connections with people and that mm. people are at radio stations people are you know everyone's just people getting yeah. on i suppose so yeah, that's really really good advice uh linda i'd love to just continue on with some stuff that artists should know if you know and i know you're yeah. at this point in your career where there's just going to be so yeah so many questions you'll have yeah. regarding pr i feel um, like i'm juggling at the moment yeah. <laughs> just trying to <laughs> trying to vet like every aspect of everything and then comparing myself to everyone um who was it like together and but like, I guess starting like, for example, like a biography and getting like the the EPK together, like trying to match the the song or the genre with the look and the the words and everything. I think like, how important would that be for for the artist? I mean, it's super important, and it used to be super expensive to get. I mean, I used to go and get some really big music journalists to write bios and you know backdrops to albums because the artist would you know would request that, and and there was that middle part that we were you know involved in as well however there's a thing called ai now (laughs) oh my god of course yeah and the likes of chat gpt right i was actually doing an interview with a college student that was doing her thesis on women in music and and pr just a marketing that goes on behind music and as part of that she was studying ai and this was this was about I don't know, three or four weeks ago, and just just the start of January, and uh, it's the second of January, and uh, 
She says to me, oh, do you use AI for press release? And I said, Jeez, no, no, no. And she said, well, let me just open up my, you know, the, the chat. So she shared the screen and she put in, oh, what was it? Um, you know, three-piece female rock band releases, say, album This Is Fine. I'm just getting This Is Fine from this quote, by the way. I love that meme. <laughs> so, you know, say whatever, fill in, write in the tone of, music publicist Linda Coogan-Byrne and write it in three paragraphs with a gig in, say, Whelan's on March 8th uh, with the release date, blah, blah, blah. So she clicked, you know, influ sonic influences of this band, Fleetwood Mac, Heart, whatever. Clicked uh, enter and this whole press release was just, oh, I was just sitting on my chair going, what? And it was exactly my tone, how I would write it, the words. You're I joking. Use. You're joking. Because I, I would have a lot of presence online. Yeah. Um, probably more than your average uh, music industry person, because I'm just so vocal and I've done a lot of campaign work and that. So I've done loads and loads of interviews. So my, so that my language, my tone is, is very accessible to AI. So it literally did this whole press release as exactly as I would write it. So I was kind of going, oh my God, that's what they're blowing my mind. She said, yeah, yeah. So you can just prompt it what to do. So if you're, you know, a metal band or a trad band or whatever, you could just put in exactly, and you can do like three paragraphs, four paragraphs, whatever. Um, so I, I, I've been sampling that out in the last two wow. weeks and it's just mind blown. So I've been saying to clients, you know, you actually don't have to pay for that part oh, with yeah. AI. And you know, the thing is that people are kind of panicking going, Oh, you know, we have to, AI is going to come and take our jobs, but it's actually saving people money as well, because that accessibility is there. Now, obviously you still have to go over it and gra grammar correct it. And, you know, because AI isn't hundred percent there, but it's almost hundred percent there. So there's loads of tools and that is just in, you know, press release, you know, that's just by feeding it in information. Or if you if you give me a bio, say if I say, right, Al Alfie or Fiona, like, send me um, your bio and you send me two paragraphs and I say, what's your album about? And you send me a paragraph on that. I can literally say, <laughs> um, write this press release for Alfie. Uh, he's going to be releasing this album and use this information that he has sent me, paste in the information and say, write it into three or four paragraphs and, you know, press enter and it will just generate. The key thing is, I think you are a complete professional who has worked in music for 22 years, you know, or oh, however long you said, yeah. and you have a good idea of what the end result is. Mm. And obviously, like you said, it's learned your yeah, language. Yeah. So you're able to, at the end, make an executive decision mm. that says that is, that is good based on your expertise. Yeah. So, I think it's really good for that. However, a new artist might just go, hey, or, or yeah. any person who I says they accessibility. can. When you think of it, yeah. you don't know something until you know it. I mean, That's there's it. Yeah, still yeah. situations that I go into, I go, mm, I'm not really sure about this, you know, especially as we go, as we continue to constantly evolve in the world of yeah. the digital world. And there's yeah. loads of my fellow industry uh, people that we're, we're kind of going, right, well, well, there's a lot of this, we're just kind of learning as we go. So yeah. we have to read documentation. We have to be constantly, and there's some don't and they're lazy and it shows. But, you know, I mean, uh, Good Seed PR were the first PR company, music PR company in Ireland to use Twitter. And that was a friend of mine, Dara Doyle, who had said, look, this is going to be huge. Get on it. I was wow. like, yeah, whatever. So we're, we're the, one of the, the first, uh, the first uh, music PR company to ever use Twitter. And Twitter has really 
proving to be a great breeding ground for connections and you know media now obviously with Elon Musk having taken it over it's pretty interesting <laughs> yes. but, um, yeah. but it's yeah. still a great platform to for you know it's kind of like the office I always call Twitter like the office whereas Instagram is like the playground where you can mess around with images and stuff and on the topic of AI I had another client the other day and she was thinking up ideas for artwork and the title for her artwork and I said well look you know, why don't you use AI image and AI uh, chat GPT and just say, look, these are the ideas of an album and just put in the idea, the idea generation and go, right, give me 10 suggestions of an album with these ideas and li- literally gave loads of different suggestions. So, and there's people that are, you know, writing songs with it, there's people that are, you know, doing so much with it. And if you have an idea for an album cover, you can say, you know, uh, pink, blue backdrops of, you know, Afro surrealism, whatever, you know, or, yeah. you know, 1960s, uh, you know, Greenwich Village style, um, you know, s- link up some artists, Janice and Janice Joplin style front cover of, an, of a thing okay. using the face of blah, blah, blah. So there's so much you can do. And that's just for, for you know, ideas and stuff and idea formation, yeah. and, you know, content that's- curation. It's so interesting and it could save a lot of time and money. A lot like of time said. and money. Yeah. That's, that's uh, a lot of money you're saving for, with graphic designers. I mean, I had a graphic designer contact me today and say, hey, uh, just get sending you my rate card. Their, their rates for graphic design went up to 15,000. I was sitting there going, Jesus. what? <laughs> yeah. No, like, no. Um, yeah. It's crazy. What? That day is gone where artists are going to spend, unless you're getting, you know, a really high prolific artist to design your your album or to design a poster or art connected to your release. It's not going to cost that. You can get an, an album cover or a single cover between £100 to 2000 depending on what, you know, yeah. you're, you're going to do. I mean, that wasn't possible years ago. It just wasn't. Yeah. It was five to 10000 So. It's it's changed the game, you know. It's it really has. So that's something that is definitely accessible, and accessibility is always, you know, it, when you're on the cusp of of any sort of change or evolution in, in, especially with the industry, the music industry. It's just being on the pulse, having that having that awareness. So for bands that do it in the DIY sense, it's just delegating. It's usually the drummer, just delegating to the drummer or the bassist, you know, to. To just be that kind of person uh, in the band that's kind of keeping tabs on what's going on, you know, so, yeah. so because it's, it's a constant evolution. And if you're on the, you know, if you're on the dial and you're kind of aware, you can jump on trends as well. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting. Again, you're using it as a, as a tool. Mm. New artists can perhaps should be doing it yeah, yeah. In, a, in, in a similar way if it's, um, yeah, if it's going to help and, and save time and money. Yeah, you can write um, it in the form of anyone. You can say, write this, write this bio in the tone of Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> you, know, you can literally yeah. tell it to me. I'm actually at this point, like I I'm, I need a bio at the moment. I'm telling you, know? you let and, me know how you get on. Uh, I, the same as you, I'd have quite a bit out there of how I speak and stuff. So I'd be yeah. interested to hear. And if you know, I did tell it for us you whether or not We were working on the podcast. You did it for me. As a joke, I wasn't used, I never used it like, but like we're developing the original version of the show. And I was like, all right, in the tone of Alfred Taylor. It was like, hello, yous. Welcome back. 
No, no, look at the guilt he had on him sitting there. He was just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so no, uh, you know, Nez are, are on Heartbreaking Artist AI experts. So, um, yeah. <laughs> that's so, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, you spoke a little bit about photo shoots there and like how much, you know, you'd recommend spending on, on stuff like that. So with a EPK, electronic press kit, a bio, you've got all that. Like, you need a photo as well. Yeah. So your that, photos are going to be just. I mean, especially if you're a female artist, they're going to be very important because image, 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 you know, your branding is almost as important as the music. Um, yeah. the more pressure on, on female identifying artists. I was going to say, I could probably wear a hoodie, Linda, and have a black and white photo and it'd be grand. <laughs> or wear factory buttons and a t-shirt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but women, women have kind to. of have to have these elaborate, huge, elaborate photo shoots where they look flawless. Um and yeah. it's sad, but that's that's the truth, and that is not going to change. So it's kind of, I mean, I've had so many DJs when I'm issuing, you know, releases from Mailer, um, they'll be like, right, thanks, thanks a million. And if I send it, if I send female artists, they'll go, can you send some images as well? Because they'll want to know what they look like. I've never been asked ever, not once in over 20 years have I been asked to send over when I'm pitching to a radio station, what, what a man looks over like. an image of the male artist, but they do ask for the female artist you know i've got any images but that's a lot of pressure do you know that isn't on say you know and i at this stage yeah and a lot of money as well because yeah. you know a standard photo shoot you know if you were to get a a themed photo shoot especially you have your editorial photographers and then you have your like band photographers so editorials will all be about the you know having the perfect lighting what's going to look good on paper what's going to look good on print versus what's going to look good on an online capacity where you're just looking at a screen so there's different layers to photography and there could be hands down a couple of thousand starting from 1500 two grand up so you know this whole like get your mates to do a photo shoot for you unless your mate has an absolute pension for photoshop and does have, have has a full lightning kit and everything it's very difficult to stage uh, a low a low budget uh, photo now you have you know buffer photographers that do like bts scenes and stuff and behind the scenes um i'm, I'm a fecker for doing abbreviations and when i started out i had no idea what abbreviations were you <laughs> sitting in label meetings going oh my god what is this? <laughs> what's dsb what's, what's, what's we're forever explaining these things because they're so mm-hmm. uh yeah it's so so key to i don't know understanding all of this stuff but um yeah yeah so it's really important to kind of you know, obviously you have the music, so let's break it down. So you have your, you know, writing, uh, writing the music, then you have to rehearse the music. So do you have space? If you don't, you have to book a rehearsal studio. Then it's booking in a recording studio. You have to book in a, a producer or if you can't get a producer, an engineer. So you have your recording engineer for the studio. It's going to cost a couple of thousand. I mean, it could be six. I mean, an average six fifty for a day in like a, a baseline studio in Ireland. But if you go to a really good one, you're talking easily over a thousand. Um, mm. So for a week, it can be anywhere between, you know, five grand upwards for like a good, uh, reasonably good studio. But then, you know, there's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant uh, recording studios in Ireland that you could absolutely, you could absolutely do an album, five to 10 grand. Like, so that's, you know, that's your money there. That's your 10 grand just on recording. And then you have to master that, which is post-production. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're mixing, you're mastering. That's another couple of hundred. Yeah. So give or take the baseline, good quality album will be anywhere between 10 to 15 grand. Now there's probably some people listening in and going, geez, I did mine myself. Or whatever. I, that's, yes. that's, 
That's fantastic. But has it got national and commercial radio play? Has it got, you know, yeah. nationalized support? Probably hasn't. I remember yeah. when the kit released his album that he recorded in his bedroom. But I mean, how much was the was the uh, equipment he used that he recorded in his bedroom? You know, these are these were all exactly. again, it's PR creating the narrative. It's yeah. like way, you know, um yeah. someone said today, an actual a BBC journalist said today, I actually wrote it down because I was like this is just when you create a narrative around something and it sells and it makes it sound really cool yeah that's great like that's great but it's if it, if it's if it's used to kind of sell something or to big something up like somebody said hey ray went independent because major label wasn't working for her now she's the most nominated artist in the brit awards and i was like yeah that's grand but sony is part of her team and so are warner you know yeah. It's. I love it's, Ray. I love what she's doing. Exactly. I'm stoked for her. But let's be realistic. Like she's signed to Human Resources, which is one of the biggest talent agencies in the UK. Mm. Sony mm. Music acquired Human Resources, and it became part of the Orchard. You know, so they have the entire resource of you know one of the biggest major labels in the world. Absolutely. <laughs> and one of the biggest distributors in the world, and one of the biggest powerhouse talent agency so she actually ended up with more than she did when she was just on a specific major label uh, yeah and she's put it independently because she's making the decisions but the team are a major label team interesting mixed with, mixed with indie and, and subsidiary yeah. labels and whatnot but there's always like what narrative is it going and it's great that people are empowered by that and i think she's wonderful again i uh, i traveled over to amsterdam to see ray like yeah. in the freezing cold of winter last year you know she's amazing i think it's brilliant but we are sold different narratives to jump on board with you know uh, a good you know human interest stories and stuff but yeah. Yeah. you have to look beyond this and that was a journalist from bbc that posted that and i was like that's just not true like no um, yeah, yeah. you know all respect to ray i think she's absolutely fantastic and she left a label that wasn't working for her but within the contract that she signed she had the clout of uh, the network of major mm -hmm. players in the industry supporting you know and at the end of the day can you go global like that without the powerhouse of that major backing no you can't it's not possible uh, it's like trying to drive you know from not to 90 or 80 in a car that just doesn't go that speed <laughs> it's, yeah. just not, it's not like no it can be done it's like i know it can't you know you yeah have, you have to have the resources to go that distance and that's why in various artists' careers, some management might step aside and go, okay, you've outdone where I can take you, now it's time to move on, or record yeah. labels, or team members, or whatever. So there's, there's so much, there's so much to it. Wow, such an insight, Linda. So cool. I, I think it's it's just asking the right questions, like, so I'm really enjoying the questions. Do you know in the, in the folk scene at the moment in Ireland, or at least like the folk, pop, folk rock, I don't know what you'd kind of call it, but there's like that narrative of, oh, it's homemade, it's like, it's rural, it's like from up the country and all this. And then it's like management companies in the UK who are like um, overseeing it all and all this. It's like, but it's it's sold then as um as the ground level. So when you're like, that's like, like I have no team, <laughs> but like, but like you'd be in the room with that artist and you'd feel like you're the same level, but it's like all those things like above it that you wouldn't even know about unless you like really mm -hmm. dug into it. And again, that's a narrative, it's perception. I mean, look, everybody likes the underdog. Who doesn't like a good underdog story? Who doesn't want to gravitate towards believing that anything is possible? You know, anything is possible, but it takes a team. It always takes a team. Yeah. Again, we might see the virality of 
you know, the likes of Dua Lipa, like she, her, her label was, you know, if he has to weather date, keep, you know, pushing her out. And then she, uh, you know, went viral on TikTok. She didn't just go viral on TikTok. You know, it was a last minute concentrated campaign to see, will this, hmm. this new platform work? It did. Doja Cat, you know, massive virality on TikTok. TikTok was a was an anomaly in the industry when it came because the industry didn't have the back end um, reach because it was so new, and then it was these artists just breaking through on people powered. So, yeah. And what we've seen then was this massive rise in golden recurrent music. You know, Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Nicks, uh, Sophie Ellis Baxter just recently, you, yeah, with the synchronization and synchronization. You know, if you think to Snow Patrol, Coldplay, Adele. Amy Winehouse, if you think of them artists, you know, go back 15, you know, 20 years, whatever, when they were dropping over a decade ago and they were dropping, it was all centered around synchronization. TV syncs, film syncs are huge and groundbreaking for an artist. So there was actually like Grey's Anatomy was one of the highest grossing TV shows. And everyone that I'm about to mention got a placement on Grey's Anatomy and that changed the trajectory of their career. So all of a sudden you had this massive powerhouse that was music synchronization because film and streaming streaming in and, and everyone always talks about streaming in the music industry because we're in the music industry but streaming for film industry changed everything yeah it actually was massive a massive game changer for women uh, female actors um because all of a sudden there was these roles that were given to women over 40. there was these really rich tapestry of cultural experiences and lived experiences being told on the small screen. Um, you know, Netflix, of course, the game changer, but then came Amazon yeah. and came Apple yeah. TV. Apple TV are pumping out amazing, amazing shows. Yeah. And with this, with all of this, you know, traction and, and um, growth, of course it's going to affect the music industry because all of a sudden you have these music supervisors that were unknown. Nobody really gave a damn about them, but all of a sudden they are the demigods. They yeah. are the makers and breakers. Oh, I mean, just sent the whole morning uh, with chatting back and forth to publishers and sync agents. I mean, they are the makers and breakers of an artist's career because if you get a song in one of the biggest TV adverts or if you get a song in a, in a TV show and it goes viral, I mean, Kate Bush running up the hill, I mean, yeah. yeah. Stranger Things, you know, just broke, broke, broke her all over again. Um, Saltburn, Sophie Ellis Baxter. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. This is something that we haven't seen before in the history of music. So with different trends and different viral moments, we're seeing another shift where artists that would never have gone on the road again, would have never had released again or thought of, you know, doing appearances are now going, what? Hey, I mean, the Spice Girls are bloody coming back. Like, I girls know. now are yeah, coming back. Yeah. You know, you're seeing all this shift because now you have this influencer status mode. And where we would have went to, where, like what I said at the initial start, traditional PR was just going to radio press and, and television. That was it. That was all there was when I started out. Now you have, you know, with press, you have influencers, you have social media influencers, you have, uh, you know, crossover film TV influencers, which are the music supervisors that are going to pick the music that's going to place in a, mo- a movie that can change your entire career, as well as gain you a lot of money. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's all of these different things. And then with TV, you know, there's a lot of online platforms now. There's a lot of, you know, you can do all your own. It's, and it's actually very feasible to do, you know, to buy a very decent um camera and do your own behind the scenes for your fan base 
to grow that you know tiktok again yeah. tiktok is the leading on snapchat tiktok it's just fantastic yeah. um so yeah there's a lot of different platforms and and you know areas like ways, content. yeah yeah ways to promote music which i suppose yeah it's a, what what that whole section was all about like i'm so interested in all this linda you've so much to say yeah really really cool i think It'd be great to go to an ad break now and then pick it up and kind of talk about yeah, the more serious uh, side of the show and the data report, but then also diversity and inclusion. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I was saying to Finan at the very beginning, like you first came onto my radar in 2020, uh, which I believe might have been one of your first data reports. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, like, I don't I, I was kind of appalled. Well, what in 2020, first of all, what made you do this report? And what were the findings in 2020 for you, kind of the highlights of it? Or lowlights, should I say? Wrong wording, sorry. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was coming kind of out of COVID. Actually, before COVID, I. I mean, for years I had seen the disparity, um, you know, the gender disparity and racial disparity. Oh, my God. And, you know, I just never had a moment to kind of see, well, what, what could I do? And then when COVID happened, I was stuck uh, in Ireland in my sister's apartment. And um, I was just like, Jesus, what am I going to do? And, you know, everyone was losing contracts and deals and gigs were being cancelled. And there was just so much devastation across the industry. And I said, well, have nothing to lose like we were everyone's under losing everything so when everything went on a hiatus i just went right i'll use radio monitor to dig into the data across radio um it was very difficult to get access to streaming platforms because they just wouldn't give it to me so i had and radio radio monitor is what like a public yeah place. i use a, a platform called radio monitor it's a paid for platform okay um and like it's cost me thousands to do this these reports out of my own yeah you're doing this in your own time as well like yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah okay this is just a radio radio port you, you it's like a website database where they have yeah. all sorts of, yeah so basically if you're anyone in the industry if you're a record label if you're a management company you know artists as well can use it um so say for instance you know, Hudson Taylor have an album coming out and it's a nine track album. And I, you're obviously going to register for all your ISRC codes and you're going to register with your collection society, your royalty collection and whatnot. Yeah. Then you're going to, you know, if you have a PR working on your manager or your team or whatever, they're going to register with, with Radio Monitor. And that, you could, this Radio Monitor covers so many countries around Europe um, and Ireland and the UK. 
So if your song is played on a late night show on RTE Radio 1, John Creedon, and then if Lynette Faye plays it on BBC Radio Wolster, or if Kitty Smatthews plays it on BBC Radio 2, that will all come in on the report from Radio Monitor. And it'll say exactly what time it was played. It'll say exactly who was listening in, you know, near enough to the approximation of, of how many listeners at any given wow. time. Wow. Um, so you have access to all of that data uh, when you when you pay for it. <laughs> um, yeah. And not only that, but you have access to every single radio station log. So say, for instance, you're a DJ and you're on 2FM and you're, you know, your show is three hours long or two hours long and you play 20 artists within that show. Well, you have to log that, all of that as part of your job. So you will have artists A, B, C, whatever. And then when you're finished, you submit that and that goes up into the system as well. And also your ISRC code is tracked every time it's played. And And I suppose this is how... Royalties are getting back to Ireland. That's why royalties are getting back, yeah. That's why ISRC codes are so important. <laughs> yeah. um, and getting all your codes and your mate and stuff and your, your everything connected to your songs all up and running. So, yeah, so you get that. And um, the DJs have all of that, um, you know, all their programming up. So we have access to every station that's on Radio Monitor, which is every basically all the, all the major stations in Ireland, regional and national, and uh, some community as well. And, and and digital dab as well. So we have access to the top 100 most played songs. We can go by, you know, Irish artists, non-Irish artists, a mix of Irish international artists. So I said, hmm, okay, this is interesting. So I'll see what 2FM plays in an entire year in their top 50, right? Or their top 40 or their top 20. So what I seen was it, it was the top 20 artists where the likes of Dermot Kennedy, Hoysier, you know, Niall Horan, Snow Patrol, Picture This, Gavin James, Keen De Crow, you know, these types of artists were all in the in the top twenty, you know, repeatedly. So there was like two or three songs, sometimes seven songs from the same artist, all in the top twenty across <laughs> Irish. Yeah. And it was across most of the stations were the exact same. So the first year most of the stations were hundred percent white male artists um in their top twenty. No women at all featured. So it was between 85 to 100% white male artists across the entire uh, landscape of Irish radio. (laughs) And that was mental. Like I was just kind of going, wow. So it is true what all these female artists are are saying to me for so long and on artists of color where they're saying, we're not getting a look in. And so I had to ask, is it biased? Like, why, why is this happening? Like, why, Mm -hmm. why aren't radio stations? So then when we start investigating the, you know, there's radio stations are coming back on. It's the label's fault. It's the labels. Like they're they they um you know, we're just playing what gets what gets in the charts. So we said, Jesus. So I put a call out for anyone that had access to chart data because it's really difficult to get. So anyway, by the look of the draw, we had this amazing Keen, this amazing young lad whose father kindly allowed us access to the charts data. So we went back 20, about 27 years um, and we released a 20-year uh, data report on the Irish charts. And we discovered that, you know, the charts is totally related to what radio stations play. And in fact, if a radio station playlist an artist, they end up charting. So it's not the other way around. It's not wow. you chart and then you get a radio play. So radio again. And also we discovered that the women that were releasing music were signed to the exact same radio uh, record labels as the male artists. So it wasn't the record label's fault. Like say, 
for instance, like Imelda May um, went number one in Ireland and she's signed to the same uh, label uh, network as Dermot Kennedy. And Dermot Kennedy had over a thousand plays the week that she went number one and she had less than 100 plays with the same network, the same resources. So, so it's kind of like... You call bullshit. I mean, that's just straight up. Yeah, yeah. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it was just empty excuses and then we heard you know and then when I was chatting to a lot of the, the radio stations over the last five years because it's five years ongoing now it was mm. just kind of like oh would they prefer uh, men's voices on the air and like men make better music and like oh, you know I heard this sure. ridiculous I was listening to your podcast actually and I'd advise any listener to one the one on her podcast brilliant I listened to one of your interviews with I think it was Margaret Ewart who yeah 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 uh, was a campaigner for Women on air, women on air. right? Yeah, and she was saying like there's this report done in the fifties where you know they interviewed like fifty men, fifty women, and apparently men's voice won by a small majority as what the general public prefer to receive information from over the radio. And this was done in the fifties by about a hundred people when women were you know not treated anywhere what? like it was not like mm. it was not no no stretch of equality whatsoever so to cite some report from 1950 is just completely ridiculous in yeah dinosaurs um, i mean look yeah which is completely untrue in the first place you know it's, it's yeah i mean but i had you know heads of music across radio stations in ireland say oh sure isn't isn't your one a bit long and the two to be making music and i'm on the phone like and i'm talking oh, to them going no. are you actually saying that to me like um, Actually, and then it's like oh but you can't say this now you can't say that i'm saying this you're not going to mention my name are you and i'm like i can't legally i can't mention your name so you're grand but you know that was the general consensus you know, and, and, it, and you're kind of going these are the the shapers the the tastemakers of the fabric of culture of music in ireland and that's their views mm. so that's a very biased gender biased and gender discriminatory view like and people say oh you can't use the word discrimination but it is when we're giving them the data, when we're giving them the data year in year out and they're literally literally just choosing to ignore it that is discrimination absolutely um, and it's and it's it's you know it's scary because are we going to is Sinead o'connor and Dolores o'reilly going to be the only female Irish artists that we're going to hear on the radio. Like, I mean, they haven't, they hadn't released anything for years. Like, you know, yeah. um, you know, any substantial collection of, of music and yet their hits, their golden recurrent songs are still the most played songs by Irish women on radio, because it's always usually one or two women that make it each year on the top 100. Like this year it was 3% Irish women in the top 100 and 31% national women. The problem isn't women, it's yeah. Irish women. Like they play 21% international women, no problem. But when it comes to Ireland, and one of them was Dolores O'Riordan. So, and then Jazzy, which is a total anomaly. Like, I mean, she's the yeah. first Irish female artist to chart number one of the official charts in 14 years, you know, and that's first ever Irish, you know, yeah. it's, it's number one of the top 50 uh, Spotify charts as well. I mean, that's a major push that she has behind her. And she's amazing at what she does. But it's like if one artist breaks through, like it was Irish Women in Harmony two years ago, but the second the second release to Irish Women in Harmony did, no, nothing happened with that release because they'd already mm. supported the first release. Mm. So they give the women, the, you know, 49 women on one song. You know, they have to get in their little slice of the pie. And then, you know, we're not seeing that same continuity because they did yeah. it that time and that's it. That's enough now. Be off with yourselves kind of thing, you know. And whereas with male artists, it just doesn't um, happen. And it's not just... 
women and, and, and people of colour, like Irish music, there was only 19% of Irish domestic music yeah. in the top 100. You know, by law, it should be a minimum 30%. And it should be. Yeah. It's it's outrageous. I mean, the UK had 48% domestic yeah. talent. The well, was, was something like 62. So yeah, I was going to ask, like, how does this compare? So that sounds very old boys club. What you described in Ireland is mm. for the reactions you're getting from these radio stations. Mm. How have, in comparison, like our closest neighbour, the UK, how have they taken the information? Because I understand you've also done UK radio reports mm. as well. Yeah, yeah. And they might have reacted a bit more positively. Yeah, possibly yeah. still they took accountability. That's what they did. I mean, yeah. we had, like, as a collective, like, I mean, I've done a lot of interviews. So has Mag. So has Ruth Ann has, has come on board um, yeah. countless times for Irish Women in Harmony. And I have allocated interviews for her because a lot of the time artists won't speak up. But Ruth Ann in her, her own right is quite an accomplished songwriter. Yeah. Um, so she she's not being at the same risk as other, because uh, she makes a comfortable living doing that. Whereas yeah. her female peers that are just focusing on, on their music careers, they yeah. have a lot to lose because if they speak up, they'll be blacklisted. So Ruthann has been wonderful because she has been very vocal and she has spoken up very, very fairly as well. Like her, the, uh, her outlook is on more Irish music in general. Yeah. Um, it's not supported on the airwaves. Um, but obviously it's women that are, that are specific. But yeah. You know, it's just, it's it's absolutely mind-blowing that after mm. all this time, we still haven't got, and in the UK, it was instant. It was really? literally, literally within the week. Like, we had, The Guardian did a two-page piece, uh, The Independent did a, a, a full page, the, like The Telegraph, we had loads and loads of publicity. And yeah. Flower Media, Global, BBC, everyone got back and were like, hmm, damn, we didn't realise we were, this yeah. was, was a big thing. And some of them, most of them, implemented uh, gender diversity, equality, and inclusion strategies across the board. Like BBC have their 50-50 gender equality project now. Yeah, that other radio stations have got beyond. And you can look, you can look that up. It's just called the 50-50 yeah. gender equality project. And so what we what we came back, what we got back from Irish Radio is we don't have the money. We don't have the money to be to be diverse and equal. So we said, because we're all qualified trainers, then why not her? I mean, not just qualified trainers, but like absolute professional leaders in our field um, absolutely you know i mean from margaret e ward to vic bain like vic bain is the president of the uh, international society of musicians in uh, the uk she was on the ivor novello uh, board like she's yeah. she's, she's an absolute juggernaut in the industry you know we've eve horn yeah. juggernaut hall of fame music week hall of famer you know we have Margaret Ward, an award-winning, you know, massively accomplished investigative journalist and communications expert, a mm -hmm. trainer. She has trained in the most amazing minds in the world, you know, and we just have a really, really fantastic team of people that have worked across the board on the gender pay gap issue, loads of different companies. Yeah. So when we, so what we did was we got together and we said, look, will we do up a gender action plan for them for free and send it to them? So we, we took time out of our schedules and did up this massive gender action plan, a three pillar plan on how to, you know, functionally work in a, in a, in a diverse and gender equal environment. And we sent it to all the radio stations. We delivered it to them. Not one of them took it on board. No, no are you serious? Oh, well, it's kind it's of like, sad it's, kind of it's like you said, I like, I just know from experience, like Hudson Taylor had one, I'd say big radio moment in Ireland, feel it yeah. again. And that was around her. I was actually in the, in the report and mm. I couldn't take the fact that, that 
I could not say anything. I felt weird being silent mm. about it. And, uh, you know, um, I know so many female musicians who should be on that list as well as instead of me in some cases, mm. you know? And so about that either, Alfie, like it's, it's, and this is the thing that we've, cause we've had so much negative comments and negative trolling and everyone's like, Oh, this is like women trying to take the space of men. But when you're coming from a place of privilege, it's like me going, oh, I don't really think racism is an issue. How can I comment on that when I'm not being affected by it? Like I'm a blonde, yeah. white-skinned, blue-eyed woman. I'm not going yeah. to experience what it is to be a black, you know, woman of color. I'm just never going to yeah. experience that. So it's like when when uh, men in music comment and go, oh, you know this, it's like, I'm just fabricating going, but you're not experiencing this prejudice. You're you're in a privileged yeah. place. And, and even yeah. in that place, you know, it's so hard to get radio time for any artist. But yeah. when you are, when you have every odd stacked against you, like statistically, <laughs> yeah, it's you know, there was only one artist of color featured in all of the reports at any given time yeah. for the first two or three years. That was Soleil, and then Jazzy came in, and Erica Cody, and a few others. Like eventually, but yeah. it's always only one. And like every few years, one then like yeah. oh, it's not the it doesn't have the consistency. So the only it's like they have to this box to tick, and once they tick that box, they throw out the other one. Whereas with the men, it's consistent. Picture this has been in every single report. Yeah. Dermot Kennedy has been in mm. like all the reports. Have Warren has been in all the reports. Have many Irish men in the reports? Have there been many other Irish men like up up at that scale showing solidarity? Um, no, not one, not one of them. Jesus, that's a real. Not yeah, one of them. And it's not like yeah. they weren't asked because they were all approached, like nothing, nothing, yeah. nothing. And your reports are very widely shared. I mean, it's impossible. That, it's impossible that they to seen. avoid it. Like, uh, you know, yeah. but, uh, no, not, not, not one of them. Whereas mm. in the UK, like we had Dua Lipa, we had all these amazing Becky Hill, um, you know, we've these great Camille, brilliant producer. We had all these really fantastic, massive singers and, and producers talk to press when we asked them look would you mind commenting and they were like yeah we're going to talk about our experience i mean i don't why not just ask you because you're like what do you think as a pure person as a woman like what can men do to show solidarity because i know a lot of men won't don't stand behind this do you know what i mean yeah, and, yeah. um like just, like step outside yourself like yeah i mean you know this this intersectional issues here right i mean there's 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 the gender issue and there is, you know, lack of diversity. And then you have issues of, you know, all sorts of discrimination and biases that happen across every work field, across yeah. every workforce, where it's what your sexuality is, like what your gender is, like if you're non-gender conforming and whatnot. So there's a lot of intersectionality that goes on behind yeah. the scenes as well. Yeah. But these reports are literally just gender and, and racial disparity. So, I mean, if we were to go deeper and deeper, I mean, it just gets worse and worse. There wasn't I, one yeah. single... Uh, notable um, out in the open person with a disability featured on the report ever, like ever. So while it's devastating for women and artists of colour, it's shameful. The world of disability, um, there's none. There's no, no feature at all. Uh, so it's it's just devastating. You know, there's no. Uh, Sam Smith was the only uh, non-gender conforming or non-binary artist featured in any of the reports uh, in the UK and Ireland uh, across five years they do exist like there's, there's so many yeah. more <laughs> yeah um, so it's kind of there's so many issues at play and it's just talking about them like again yeah. we've got so many trolling and threats and all that but 
And I've seen DJs do 360s. Like, firstly, the DJs thought I was attacking them and I was out to get them. So I was blacklisted across the board. I had to hire freelancers to take over so that my clients wouldn't be affected. And they weren't affected. They they weren't. There was no shift. But to protect that and to prevent that from happening, I had to literally hire an entire team to look after the, the artists. And it took about a year for radio to come back to reply and if I messaged them because they were just like, no, I got threats by radio DJs. I got emails. And I mean, you think how stupid that was to email someone a track, like kind of go, hello, um, you know, phone calls, you name it, text message, voice notes, feed us to the wolves. Oh, I didn't think he would do this to us. Da, 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 da. So they just, missed the point. Just for presenting facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they missed the point completely. But then some of them did a whole total 360s. Like I've had, I've been this, discussion of so many online arguments and I've been called everything under the sun you know I mean mm. my god if I had a, a penny jar for many times I was called a cunt or this or that you know it's just insane because oh. you just have to kind of step away like some of the people on the team like we had to step away like at certain times because the trolling got so bad because people were just like yeah roar like men make better music than women and it's not nothing is ever that black and white like it just isn't there's always an undercurrent of something at play and it's usually down to you know internalized biases or group biases bias in the workplace um and that could be addressed when you do when you actually take um the materials that are available and people say they can't afford it it's online you can download a free dei model online it's everything is accessible nowadays wow. so wow. education education yeah. changes everything you know yeah. and in the world of andrew tates and conor mcgregor's and you know all of this toxic male masculinity that has just overflowing um yeah. so much media attention there it, it's it's more important now than it ever was to educate young people to mm-hmm. educate young boys um yeah. especially just to respect you know respect consent you know awareness uh all of these things because they they evolve and they grow and they form their ideas but sometimes their ideas aren't their own they're just the ideas taken from people that they look up to you know so yeah wow linda across the board it's not just the music industry that affects everything everywhere yeah wow you say it so well and yeah i mean thank you so much do you have i'm completely taken aback sorry i've just been i'm just listening (laughs) like that's yeah, sorry, I got nothing. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, yeah. I just wanted, I just wanted um, to listen. I saw, and we always like to end Jeez. the podcast on a kind of positive note. I saw Linda, and I signed this recent petition. Like, obviously, we want meaningful, quick, effective change, and we want, you know, fifty fit like like what the UK have done, or hmm. you know, definitely play more Irish music, play more Irish women. I understand other governments get involved when, you know, radio gets out of hand or when culture is being lost and all that sort of stuff. I noticed you, you've like a petition and a letter going to uh, going to the Irish arts. Yeah, the minister. Yeah, the minister of arts. Um, and how is it, would that be something you would say to get on board with? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Like we started and, the first phase, which was just making the minister aware of what's what this petition is like we just mm. legally you just have to get over 100 signatures for the government to actually to if they receive something they have to read it it's an obligation as okay their public um you know positions um yeah so yeah so we 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 let the minister know and she actually got back to us the other day and she was saying you know i am totally dedicated to you know 
gender equality and diversifying the media landscape and the media sector. I mean, we had this chat in 2020 with the minister as well. So every year we have the exact yeah. same chat. Yeah. I do believe yeah. that Catherine Martin is a, a, a wonderful advocate for wanting change. And, you know, the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland, who has been dissolved and now the new media commission, the commission, the man, is put in place and I have been back and forth with them and with the, the commissioners in there and the director in there and you know we're we're working and we're feeding in the data and we're hoping that they will have the power and the accountability lies on them now yeah. as the regulatory body of the media sector to and to absolutely you know empower the radio stations with DEI tools um, yeah. or GDI tools whatever way you want to call it and to educate and to be trained and we have put that like they're, they're actually releasing a, a policy kind of a gdi policy and legislation in the next probably two to three months that we have been we're, we're stakeholders so we have been advising them on that um okay. Okay. Ireland last week advising them uh, with with margaret and other uh, amazing groups of people that all want the same thing across the media sector okay the media sector also is you know it's audio and visual so yeah there's, these, there's the same amount of disparity across all of the sectors. So we just have to make this work. You know, in the sports world, they they withheld funding for the national sports entities until they agreed to treat women with the same, um, you know, respect and, and diligence as they did with their male athletes. And when they withheld funding, they said, oh, oh, okay, we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll sign whatever. <laughs> so they did. So what we're asking now is for, because there is radio stations now requesting public funding um, mm. to stay open. Uh, I'm not going to point any radio stations in particular, but there's like a main national one that are seeking the government funding to stay open and to keep going. And why should we, the people, be supporting that and funding and our, our taxpayer money being funded for radio stations that actively discriminate against, uh, you know, the largest part of the population of Ireland, which is women. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's big issues here. So we're, we've yeah. started that rollout of the campaign with Uplift. So if you go to Uplift and you'll, um, you know, it does, the, the campaign is there. Uh, just look for Why Not Horror, the campaign is there. Or go on to whynothorror.eu and the campaign yeah. is on our front page and you can sign the petition. Like we're going to be, like this petition is going to be about six months long. It's not just going to be a flash in the pan. Yeah. Um, but the minister is now aware of it and we're going to keep on at them. I mean, I was just talking to the commission today and I was just saying, look, you know, these are recent articles in the Independent and uh, the Examiner and different newspapers, you know, covering this. And yeah. we're, we're not going to suddenly stop. You know, we're not going to go on promises because so far they have been empty. So, yeah. and like we urge those with the power to take accountability and to actually apply regulatory standards. Uh, and stations. if a radio station has been granted a license and regardless of whether that's funded by the people or whether it's independently or privately funded, they have to have a state regulation license, regulated yeah. license that needs to be regulated. Quotas and consequences, you know, yeah, exactly. if, yeah, if you're not meeting the quota, well, then there's a fine or something, yeah. you know. And everyone's allergic to quotas. I mean, even even stepping quotas aside, just follow your standard under Article 21 of the EU Constitution, the human rights. It is, you know, you cannot discriminate against someone over their race, creed, gender, mm -hmm. you know, um, sexual orientation, economic status. You know, everyone has to have the same available opportunities. And at the moment, and for the last number of decades, they haven't. So that has to change. But, you know, 
We're hopeful. <laughs> we have to have hope, don't we? <laughs> we do, we do. Linda, I can't thank you enough for this. Um, yeah, I mean, you. there's no better person to cover everything we covered today. You really are so well qualified in, in, in all of it. And yeah, you speak so well. And just thank you so much again. Uh, yeah, you've, no you've inspired me so much. And, you know, in turn, this podcast, I really admire your campaigning and your activism. And yeah, thank you so much. Thanks a million for having me. No worries at all. Take care, nice son. You're legend. Bye. See you now. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.